Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I spent a number of years kind of wandering after I graduated and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. I just kind of assumed that it would all line up and work out. And it did eventually, but there were some intermediate steps that needed to, to happen. That there's a big difference between being reactive to demand, i.e. people coming in and saying, hey, Beyond Philosophy, can you come out and talk to us about this? And being proactive. So the one thing I've learned over the years is I'm not very good at recruitment. <laughs> okay. Which is how you ended up uh, co-hosting with me on this podcast. I think it's really fun. <laughs> so Colin, you've made a lot of mistakes, right? I mean, we, we, talk, we about talk about this. Yeah. Do we have yeah. to start a podcast off with that? I mean, we, our, our listeners appreciate honesty. Uh, I don't think we're fooling anybody. No, when we were trying to, to talk to think about what we wanted to talk about this week, we actually came up with the idea of just sharing some of our own personal learnings from business, from our personal lives, from kind of yeah. balancing the two. And um, and so we've we've each compiled a list of of some of our best and worst decisions from our own perspective. I hope you were able to come up with some some good decisions that you made uh, at some point. Come up, wait, if you can give me a bit longer, I'm sure I'll come up with some in a minute. All right. Well, we'll come back next week then with this. Um, <laughs> no, this was this was fun. This was a nice little introspective exercise. I think we've decided to start with our worst decisions, uh, just because that might be a more fun place to start. So we'll we'll come back and talk about some things that we are happy that we did. But in terms of mistakes that we feel like we've made or decisions that didn't go as well as we'd hoped. Um, so why don't you, you kick us off, Colin? What's one decision that you would consider to be not the best? One decision was I was, this was early in my career and I was with this company and I really didn't enjoy it. I was actually selling photocopiers. Um, this is when I was in my 20s and I really didn't enjoy it okay didn't enjoy the culture of the organization and everything else and at that stage I wanted to move into management I was desperate to become a, a, a manager I basically left this one company a photocopier and I moved to an engineering based company okay and basically I jumped out of the frying pan into the fire did you did you work in sales for this engineering company? What did you do? In that yeah, company? yeah. So my early, very early career was in in sales, and when I when I worked in, I, what the reason I didn't like the photocopying company was because they just didn't have any ethics, basically, uh, and he used to stitch customers up, basically, and I just couldn't deal with that. The for the engineering company, I was in sales, but the thing that attracted me to it 
was that they said that I was going to become a sales, I would be a sales manager and I would have a team of people. So it was, A, it was great, I can get out. B, I'm going to become a, a, a manager. But the reality was that I didn't really, okay? I didn't really become a manager because they had me selling to start off with. The other key thing was that the culture of the organization was just something that didn't gel with me. Okay, let me give you a couple of examples. One was when they used to have team meetings, you had to sing the company song. Oh, gosh. So this was an engineering firm located in North Korea. Um, <laughs> well, no, it was actually an American engineering company. <laughs> and it was obviously hard. in England. Okay, so I was in England. A company song? A company what? song. Yeah, nightmare. Wow. Absolute nightmare. And I enjoy singing and I enjoy music. I just didn't enjoy singing it at the start of every bloody meeting. Are you sure this wasn't a cult that you joined? (laughs) The other thing I remember from it, and bear in mind this is a few years ago, so this shows you how it sort of scarred me, was that the manager used to phone you up every day, every night, and ask you what you'd sold. And I got to hate those calls. I used to hate it when the phone used to, uh, to ring. And last thing I would say before we go on to yours, was that um, I always remember, and sort of jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire, I'd not had an engineering background, so I didn't know anything about engineering. I knew stuff about selling and stuff like that, but I didn't know anything about engineering. And I went to see this customer once, and I was talking to them about these drill bits or something that, that we had, okay? And he said to me, where does the swarf go? Now, I know you do a bit of woodworking and stuff like that, but do you know what swarf is? Yeah. Swarf is, if you're creating a hole, it's the material from the hole. Oh. So it makes sense. You know, does it fall from, in from the... From a saw blade, that's called a kerf. But apparently oh, there's okay. a different word for it for a drill bit. Well, well you know, you know, English Amer- and American Amazing. English word. But he said, where does the swarf go? And I thought... I've got to tell him the truth. I said, I don't know what that is. And he told me, and I just felt about one inch tall. So what's the learning? The learning is don't jump out of the frying pan and into the the fire. Really give some thought to where you're trying to get to and what moreover what you want. Okay, one of the things I say to people nowadays is you need to think about even before you join a company, go and spend some time in that company. So you're not just hearing it but if i'd heard that they had got a company song and all that type of stuff i probably wouldn't have joined so anyway that's my first what about you ah that's a great one mine is not having blind loyalty towards an organization so i'm I'm big on loyalty i think loyalty is is very valuable to have within an organization i think it yeah i think it promotes happiness in your work to feel like you're loyal to the place that you're working to you got to go into that with your eyes open Loyalty should be a two-way street, right? So it yes. should be that you are loyal to an organization and then the organization is loyal back to you. Um, there have been a couple of times uh, in my career where I feel like I've been taken advantage of a little bit because I was more loyal to the organization than, than they were to me. I, one of my early jobs um, after I graduated from college was working for a startup. And and I don't know if you ever had, well, you, you started a company, so, you know, startup culture is really heady. It's very exciting. Things are constantly changing and you feel like you're making a difference with what you're doing. And I had assumed that all of that 
effort that I was putting in was was going to be kind of reciprocated, and um, it, I ended up get, getting laid off because the company was just not very well run and uh, didn't have enough money to sustain. And I, I felt really burned by that. And I, and part of it was that I just I felt like I was more invested in the organization than sure. the organization was in me. Yeah, and, and let me build on that because it was interesting. At the weekend, I was reading the New York Times and one of the things it talked about there was was a similar subject to you know loyalty and this trend of sacking people over email. And it was rightly so. It was talking about you know that there are people out there that have worked with a company for 15 years and then they get a bloody email sacking them, you know? And the thing that I learned was that large organizations aren't loyal to you. They're just not. You know, you may think that they are, but they're not. Because when push comes to shove, you're just a number, basically. I don't know of any of my friends who work for large companies who have left because they wanted to leave. I know lots of them that have been laid off, made redundant, so on and so forth. And so I, I totally agree with you. There's an interesting, so I don't know if this is the, the cultural rule everywhere, but in, in the US, there's kind of an expectation that if you leave a place of employment, that it's you know courtesy to give two weeks notice so that they can find a replacement, all that kind of thing. And there's been kind of a, a, a movement to push back against that, saying like, you don't know these people anything. Like I, I think that these cold corporate moves where it's like, well, for technological security reasons it makes sense to let people go by email so that they can't mess with the systems on their way out sure. so we don't go i think corporations need to think about this long term like if that's the culture where we don't need to show any loyalty towards our employees why should our employees show any loyalty back to us and give us you know notification and this this should be a relationship so i'm very pro loyalty i think that that is a good thing but it's also an, an avenue for abuse. Um, and so yes. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. What about you? What's next? I put this under the heading of you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find a prince. Okay. So the one thing I've learned over the years is I'm not very good at recruitment. <laughs> Okay. Which is how you ended up uh, co-hosting with me on this podcast. I think. Really <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> yeah, there's the evidence. What, no, what I was surprised that this made it on your list because I've met several of the people that you have, uh, that you work with at Beyond Philosophy and you have, you have great employees. So I was surprised I, I to that recruiting was uh, something that you considered a, a bad decision or that, that you don't, are not yeah. skilled at. So. How do you reckon? No, you're that? right. But that that for me is actually the evidence that you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find a prince. Okay. Because yes, I've there were some really great people working at Beyond Philosophy. Here's the interesting thing. They've all worked there a long time now. Okay. So they've all worked there a, a long time. Okay. But if I think back to over the 20 one years, 22 years of Beyond Philosophy now, the money that I've spent on bringing people in, and I've discovered that a mistake I make is that I'm too risky 
I think that everyone's going to be a prince or princess. And I take too much of a risk thinking that I'm finding the rough diamond. Uh, and some faces are coming to my mind now. And then I realize that I was wrong. And what that's done, again, from um, hopefully from a learning perspective for the listener, is that I've changed the way that I recruit now. And I am just the part. So because I understand what I'm, you know, that I'm not very good at recruitment, is I get the individual that we're looking at to meet a lot of the team. And I get the team to tell me what they think because I just recognize I'm not very good at it, basically. Oh, that's great. I, I think that for a lot of organizations, the costs of employee turnover and of recruitment are just not valued enough. Like it's, sure. We've talked before about, from a customer standpoint, getting people into the funnel and then ignoring the holes in the funnel as customers drop out, like we're, we're spending all our attention on, on recruiting. I think there's a similar idea where the costs of having employees that are not great, but who still kind of stick around and kind of can drag down the organization or the cost of getting rid of them and retraining as opposed to, to focusing on getting better people into the funnel. It's kind of the inverse of the customer problem. Yes. Yes. The other thing I've discovered is you don't know anyone until you've worked with them. Yeah. They can breeze through an interview and, and, and it's, I, I would even argue that it's, it takes you six to 12 months before you really understand someone and you can make a true decision. And that the, the key thing then is, this goes back to beyond philosophy, when you find them, you got to keep them because they're like bloody gold dust, basically, and you got to keep them. What about you? Uh, my next one is for mistakes or bad decisions, uh, not having a plan. So um, yeah. I remember, so my, my undergraduate degree was in uh, physics, which took up a lot of my time and, and effort. And and I just kind of felt like, well, you know, things will work out. Like I'll I'll graduate with this degree and then I'll I'll get a job and it'll be fine. And I spent I spent a number of years kind of wandering after I graduated and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. I just kind of assumed that it would all line up and work out. And it did eventually, but there were some intermediate steps that needed to to happen before they did. So uh, I had a very good plan up through graduating college and i executed that plan very well but then i didn't have a plan for that next transition going forward and um and so it it did result in some bouncing around and kind of lost time thinking about what i needed to do yeah and that's the trouble with it how old were you then uh i was 72 was it or 24 when i graduated college there were a few intermediate things that i did before i um sure so it was a little bit older I think it's quite surprising, actually. It's one thing that surprised for me, and we're actually touching on one of my best decisions, is I get surprised about how many people don't have a plan, yeah. who don't think ahead. And clearly, when you're younger, it's that's the case. I always remember my son coming out of uh, university, and he was really concerned about the job that he got. And I remember talking to him and saying, look, whatever the job is that you get, you don't have to be in that industry for the rest of your life. You don't have to be doing that type of job for the rest of your life. You know, there are other things. Almost everybody is not like it's no days of like, you know, working for the same company 
for 40 years and then retiring are done. Like that's I agree. Long since. I agree. And even staying within yeah. an industry is relatively rare. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So not having a plan. Yeah. No, good one. Ryan, we've reached a new milestone, mate. What is that? I now have 70,000 people signed up for my LinkedIn newsletter called Why Customers Buy. 70,000, that's very impressive, Colin. That just so happens to be slightly more than the capacity of the first energy stadium where the Cleveland Browns play in Cleveland, Ohio. I've got to tell you, mate, that doesn't surprise me. My milestone doesn't seem as good now you mention Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, hey, Beating the Cleveland Browns is still an accomplishment. It still is. <laughs> it would be for my five-year-old, but not for most football teams. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, go onto LinkedIn and search for Why Customers Buy, or just go to my profile, Colin Shaw, and sign up for a free LinkedIn newsletter. My last one is... Um, we, we made a, I made, I have to accept this, a big bad decision. I made a big On decision. Fire. Yeah. Back in, um, I think it was about 2004 or 2005. And the mistake I made was expanding too quickly. That's the headline. Okay. So let me, let me explain it again and, and try to share some of the learnings for you. So this was, Customer experience hadn't really been talked about. Uh, I'd written the first book. Uh, I wrote another book a year later about customer centricity. We were being flooded out with inquiries, okay, flooded out with inquiries. And I remember sitting there back in those days and thinking to myself, think of all, all these people that we're getting coming to us. Now imagine what it would be like if we were approaching so if that's the pull that we're getting in all of these inquiries and we're not doing anything other than the book and doing the usual stuff basically but if we were proactive and went out there think of what we could do so i thought right this isn't going to last what we're going to do is we're going to expand the company and we're going to do it on the basis of of this and we're going to set up a telemarketing team and there were two things that I learned during this time. One is <laughs> I learned I'm not very good at recruitment. <laughs> Although some of the people that we got on, on there were absolutely great. Some weren't. The second thing I, I learned was that there's a big difference between being reactive to demand, i.e. people coming in and saying, hey, Beyond Philosophy, can you come out and talk to us about this and being proactive and here's the difference when someone is being reactive to demand they have a requirement okay when you are talking to somebody and and effectively have a telemarketing team convincing them to have a meeting they don't have a requirement so the sales cycle between the reactive to demand was about three months. The sales cycle for the, when we were proactively going out there was much more than that, 10 months a year. And the ratio that we won was way down and blah, 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 blah. Okay. And because of that, 
the other thing that I had done was that was a mistake was that I'd, I'd employed too many consultants who weren't selling. So in other words, the ratio of sales to consultancy. So a lot, basically the issue was I had a lot of people sitting, classic stuff, sitting on the bench, not doing very much, having to pay them, but they're not earning, earning very much. So we expanded too quickly. Anticipating that business coming in so they'd be ready to go. But Correct. In the meantime. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So if I had my time over again, and they rightly say that you learn from your mistakes rather than the things that you do well, I would have done it a much slower and I would have done it more sales-led. In other words, I would have waited until we won the business or got close to winning the business and gradually increase the team rather than go for... Uh, you know, let's get five consultants in. I would have just got one at a time, etc. But there you go. You live and learn. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And common, like it's companies still today. It's not like this is this never happens all the time. Companies over anticipate growth and grow too fast. Like it, I think it's a really applicable one. Yes. All right, let's talk about some of the things that uh, we feel like have gone well, some of the good decisions that we've made, some of the things that okay. we're happy about. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, no, you go first. I went last. All right. So for me, one of the, the best decisions I made was uh, going back to graduate school and getting my PhD. Now, okay. in terms of, of applying that life lesson or advice, uh, the learning should not be graduate school is a great idea and everybody should do it. Instead, the learning was for me that I, so I, as I mentioned, I, I graduated my undergraduate degree. I worked a number of different, I worked as a, a computer programmer for a little while. I, um, I worked for, this is fun, I worked for a company that disposes of radioactive waste. Wow. I wondered why you glowed. It was one of the few companies that was actually really excited about hiring a physics major because I had some <laughs> experience um, in labs working with that kind of stuff. I worked on a political campaign. Like I, I had a really rich kind well, of experience. Wasn't I was going to say that, that. I mean, those are some really different jobs. Yeah, yeah. And they were all fun and I learned a ton and it was great. But it wasn't like pointing in a direction. Like I wasn't managing a career at that point. I was just kind of like bouncing around from opportunity to opportunity. And it wasn't until I sat down and, and said, like, what do I want? Like what? I had this realization that I worked for some great people that I admired a lot. But I had this realization, like, I don't want to work for 20 years to inherit that guy's job. Um, sure. That's not, that's not what I see myself doing. And so I was sure. trying to figure out, like, what do I want? And what am I interested in? And figuring out how people make decisions and what, what makes things persuasive or not. That, that was really interesting to me. And I thought I could, I could do that for 40 years. That would be fun. And so I looked into graduate programs and ended up where I'm now. And that's one of the best decisions I ever made. So the learning is figure out what you want. What is it that you want to do the most and then do it, like figure out how to do that. Yes. No, absolutely. And well, let me build on that then, because I guess it, this is, was the, is the opposite to your worst decision, which is to have a plan. So to take that picture of where you're trying to get to, and my kid's laugh at me when I say this because I've sat down with them many times and said to them where are they going to be in five years time or 10 years time you know from a career perspective to be able to turn around and take that picture that you just spoke about and saying these are the things that I want and then turn around and say well how am I going to get there then 
So what type of jobs do I need? What type of companies should I be joining? What type of, you know, even books should I be reading, et cetera, et cetera. What type of experiences should I have? If I'm trying to get there, I mean, and again, let me give you an example. When I used to work in the corporate world, I wanted to become a senior senior director. And therefore, what I did was to put in place, effectively, I moved every two years. Therefore, to have a plan is is a key thing. So that would be one of the things that I do. And therefore, I think it's a good, good decision. Do you want to go next? Yes. Uh, or, is that, or is that the only best decision? I, I only made, made one good it? decision. Um, <laughs> and that was it. No, uh, another thing that I'm, I think I've, I've done well and that I've prioritized was balancing work with life. Another thing. So to get ahead in your career, um, that often involves a lot of sacrifice, especially early on when you're young. That time goes fast. My uh, my oldest is now in college, and uh, that happened immediately. Um, like she was very young, and then all of a sudden she's not. So, as important as it is to sacrifice for your career, and it is, recognize that that some of the rest of this time you're not getting back. And so, yeah balance that and make sure that you are prioritizing uh, not just one aspect of your life, but um, all the aspects of your life that are important. I will say that I'm going to claim jump you here. I'm going to give my, my next good decision too, which is yeah, go. developing a hobby. So I, you know, we can talk about how important that is and how much, you know, fulfillment I get out of that. I didn't develop that hobby though until after I got tenure, like after, like for a long time in my life, it was just my work and my family, you know, that you only got so much time. And I, I, divvied up my time around those things. And I didn't have a lot else going on. And it wasn't until I achieved a certain level of success in my career that I started to kind of branch out and, and do other things. So there's only so much time that you can use to balance things, but make sure it's not just one thing. Make sure that it is like the two most important things to you, or maybe the three most important things to you. Yes. No, I think both both of those are important. Difficult to do. Yes. I was talking to my son about it the other day. Difficult to do particularly the worth of life balance and then having something that is you enjoy rather than also just the family enjoying i think is an important one uh next one for me was was actually starting beyond philosophy so one of the best decisions i've ever made was or in fact i wouldn't say i i would say we because my wife was a clearly an important part of that decision but starting beyond philosophy, because it's given me so much opportunity to effectively do what I want to do. Here's, here's one of the best things about it, mate. I've got no one telling me, other than my wife, what to do. Yeah. And I do what I want. And in fact, in a, uh, we're going to be doing a podcast on, if you were starting a consultancy, here are the things that I would suggest that you need to think about. But the key issue for me is, that you can do what you want to do. That raises some issues around the danger is you end up doing too many things and goes back to the challenge that you mentioned just there, which is my work-life balance went out of totally out of kilter for probably 10 years, to be totally honest with you. But when I look at now look back and go turning points in careers, definitely this was one of them, and it was definitely the the right choice because I wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to do all the things that we have done as a family and uh, everything else without me 
uh, taking that decision. That's great. Well, I already did my third one, which is um, developing a hobby, something that challenges you and that you enjoy and that, that's for you. So I guess we're, we're back to you then for the last one. Yeah. So last one is, I think, an important one. And, and to a certain extent, the listener listening to this is doing it already. And that is when I, look, again, look back on my career, one of the big things that I've done is to read business books. Stephen Covey would talk about sharpening the saw. And I think that's so important is to continue learning. And I spend a lot of time reading business books and coming up with ideas as a result of them and trying to stay ahead of the game and all those things. And, and I think that shouldn't be uh, underestimated. That's great. Yeah. Ideas from other places, right? Books, podcasts, um, you know, related industries, yes. conferences, talks, all those kinds of things. But getting outside of your own head and uh, learning the perspectives of other people, I think it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Well, we, we hope our experiences help you and some of the learning that we've had helps you. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it'll be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.